Hello and welcome to Volume 3 of April's Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. Volume 1 sees us going to WCW for Spring Stampede. In Volume 2, we go to the WWF for Unforgiven. But we are here in Volume 3 doing all things extreme. And I am pleased to announce we have a new guest in the land of extreme. Joining me for today, as it is only TV, there's just the one guest, is Mr. Bob Calling. How the devil are we, Bob? I am doing very well, Chris. Thanks for asking. Wonderful. Um, as always, if you want to support us monetarily, you can by dropping us a few quid at patreon.com. You can go to patreon.com forward slash wrestling 20 years ago. Um, first things first, I do want to just have a quick mention on what has been going on with the show. Obviously, uh, last month, Bob dropped the bombshell that, you know, he, he was a bit burnt out and that he wanted to take a step back and, you know, leave it in the capable hands of others to keep it going. And that it will. Um, Rory, uh, me and the other Chris, Chris White, will be keeping the shows going. Um, basically, each of us taking a brand each. I'm staying with ECW because, you know, that's what I do. Um Rory's doing WCW and Chris is doing WWF and obviously everything will keep going. So obviously if you do back us on Patreon, um, shows will still be going out early when we do get them recorded early. Um, this is getting recorded on the 22nd of the month. Um, I'm editing it a couple of days later so it can then be uploaded. And obviously if you do back us on Patreon, you will still get them early. Um, obviously the Patreon money will still be being used for the project itself. So it helps us with the observer and the torch subscription so we can get all the news and stuff. So it is massively helpful that you do that. And at this point, I just want to thank Bob. I don't know if he will be listening, because I said he did say he was burnt out on it, but this was Bob's baby. It was his idea, his brainchild. Um, I was ha lucky enough to be one of the first few people that he came to uh, when he did the expansion and sort of went for more people. Um, and as such, I've then ended up having the ECW show for the past year or so be mine and for me to deal with. So, you know, it's... Uh, Jen, it's a new dawn going forward uh, with with the show. Um, I would imagine that on Rory's show and on Chris's show, they'll both sort of have a little bit to say about it too. Um, so, yeah, we are still here, even though Bob has left us. We will still be giving you monthly flashbacks and all things wrestling 90s. So... Without further ado, let's get into the news. There is a new ECW television champion. That is correct. Mr. Monday Night Rob Van Dam beats Bam Bam Bigelow this month to take the TV title, which was a change of plans for the pay-per-view, as it originally was going to be Bam Bam versus Sabu, and it's now going to be RVD versus Sabu, which we will go into more detail during the TV for the month. Shane Douglas and his injuries are stacking up. So Shane Douglas 
is still expected to be at Wrestlepalooza and Wrestle Al Snow in the main event on May the 3rd, but he will be far from 100%. Besides the number of nagging injuries that have been growing, his elbow is in completely awful shape and the bones in his upper mouth are also broken. Douglas obviously had elbow surgery a couple of months back, um, but it didn't heal properly or was rejected or re-injured. We're not sure really the, the, the official diagnosis, but this is what we're hearing. Um, basically, this is going to mean that he will be out, out of action for several months because he's going to have to have another elbow surgery. Also, he was told not to fly because of this mouth injury that he's had. Because if he does, the pressurised conditions could cause more injuries. Shane didn't take that idea and got on a commercial flight and his mouth essentially exploded due to the pressure at 30,000 feet, bursting a blood vessel and now doing more damage to the broken bone in the mouth. No word how long on that injury will take to heal, but no matter what, he is still determined to work the pay-per-view and there is talk that after the pay-per-view, while his convalescing, he will become a colour commentator besides Joey Styles for the TV. Taz is also injured. So at an ECW event this month, Taz took a bump for a table and fucked up his leg. He severed a severe laceration to his calf, which is said to look much like a shark bite. As a result, he is out of Wrestlepalooza, where he was meant to be facing his cousin Chris Chetty. He should be out for about four weeks. And if things couldn't get any worse, the Sandman is fucked up too. So, Sandman has been telling people that he's suffered temporary paralysis to the right side of his body for a couple of minutes after taking a 3D and some cane shots to the back of the neck. Referring to it as a zinger, because of he got movement, he was returned to the dressing room on his own accord. Other than wait for an ambulance to come and get him and immobilize him. Backstage, his wife, Laurie, was told to, said that he was turning grey and called for paramedics. 20 minutes later after the match, the ambulance finally did come. They used the footage of him being taken away on the ambulance. Sandman has suffered a pinched nerve and a herniated disc. But upon being examined with a CAT scan, it has been discovered that he has broken his C4 vertebrae in his neck, which has led to a herniated disc and some arthritis. So, according to this, it is looking as though he may not be Wrestlepalooza, but knowing the Sandman, he'll probably still turn up. Bushwhacker Dudleys? So, on April the 9th at the Flor Lauderdale in Florida at the War, Moral War Memorial Auditorium, the Bushwhacker Dudleys fought Tommy Dreamer and Sandman to a no contest. The Bushwhackers were introduced as being part of the Dudley family as part of a one-night-only story since the Bush Bushwhackers live in the area. As they licked Joel Gertner's face, Sandman attacked them from behind. This is where... Sandman got his injury when Bubba and Devon hit the 3Ds with chair shots and caning shots. Also during this angle, Scorpio ran out to make the save, but he got level 2, and they stretched out Dreamer and Sandman. ECW is too sweet. 
So Scott Hall turned up at the Kissimmee, Florida show of ECW to visit his good buddy, just incredible, a.k.a. BJ Blacko, Aldo Montoya, back in the Fed days. When Shane Douglas, Bam Bam and Chris Chase saw him, they conf- confronted him and Douglas cut a promo on him, also known as chewing him out, for sabotaging his WWF career. Bigelow then chimed in with similar thoughts since Bigelow and Nash were on the outs during their days in the Fed too. Candiso also threw in a few words Hall's way, probably something about Sean and Sonny. Hall quipped back, so does that mean we're not friends? Lots of new clearances for ECW television, but less pay-per-view coverage. So ECW has now got new TV deals for Alabama, Kansas, Louisiana, Kentucky, California, Indiana, Florida, and Michigan, which obviously will help them if they're looking at touring a bit more nationally. But there is only one major pay-per-view distributor. So ECW, who have been told to tone down the use of blood and weapons at Raspalooza, hopefully to get back to the ones they had before. So this month's ECW is just TV. There is no big show as we are working our way towards Wrestlepalooza. So with the first week's show on the fourth of the month, opened with the closing moments of the Al Snow victory over Rob Van Dam, where Sabu hits RVD with a chair shot and they have a little bit of a go at each other. We then get Joey Styles introducing the show and says that the tag team title shots that Ball and Axel have earned. Styles says that they probably wouldn't face the current champs, Lance and Chris Candido, because there's little chance of them still being champs by May the 3rd. At this point, Styles also hoped that Alfonso had a master plan of having RVD soften up Bam Bam Bigelow for his TV defence against Sabu. The first match of the evening shows Spike Dudley going against Bubba Ray Dudley, who is out with the full gang of Gertner, Devon, Sangai, and Big Dick. Before the match, Gertner is on fine form. Well, well, well. And this time, without any further ado, introducing... At my left, the most idolized commodity in extreme championship wrestling. The voice of a generation and the silence behind the violence. Shine Guy Dudley! this time 25 and 7 8 inches of the largest arms in the world attached to the monster whose bodily functions make the El Nino weather system look like pissing in the wind 
With some forearms, Bubba hits a massive power slam and then hits a massive back suplex. Bubba then grabs the house mic, shouting, Oh my god, you killed Spike. The crowd go all South Park and follow up with a chant of, You bastard. Bubba then hits some elbows and then gets launched outside with chairs and Spike is busted open. Spike manages to get a bulldog on the floor and an apron cannonball. Back into the ring, Bubba hits a falling powerbomb. Spike manages to block a second powerbomb and hits a snake eyes and the acid drop to get the pin. That is until Big Dick and Devon come in to interfere, which brings Cronus out to help the beatdown. That is until the Dudleys get too much. And then we hear the dulcet tones of natural born killers. Styles brag that New Jack is a hardcore street criminal. New Jack, as always, bringing weapons with him, begins to use everything that he can, and even such as hitting an oven shelf on the balls of Bubba. Spike hits another acid drop and gets the free count. Sign Guy then gets in front of New Jack. New Jack says, you dropped the soap in prison, so he smashes the guitar on him. Spike hits another acid drop, this time for a table. Cronus, New Jack and Spike, all bleeding, leave the rings, giving the Dudleys the fingers on the way out. We get a recap of the Shane Douglas and Al Snow, Al Snow feud, even. And a promo between Alfonso, Van Damme and Sabu, with Sabu saying that he is going to take the title at the pay-per-view, and that RVD will be facing him on TV next week. And they'll defend the belt together when Sabu wins it. We then get a montage of the Blue Meanie mocking Raven with Dr. Zeus's Green Eggs and Ham. Supernova comes in talking about being in ECW for two years and accomplishing nothing. His life sucks, he says. He asked me to drive him off a bridge. He said, there's nothing rest for the locker room. We're injury free for 1998. He then accidentally gets poked in the eye by Blue Meanie. We get the traditional FBI bit doing odds on whether Bam Bam will win. And then we get a triple threat promo talking about their pay-per-view with Shane ranting about how Al Snow and Francais groans. Going into week two's TV, the show opens with the end of a Cronus and Spike Dudley versus Roadkill and Danny Doring match, which has Droz on the outside. We see Spike getting beat up by Drozdov as New Jack runs in to even up the odds. This is mostly memorable for New Jack's use of a vacuum cleaner as a weapon. He also smashes a computer keyboard over Droz's head, and then New Jack hits him with a guitar. We get potted highlights of the FBI beating Supernova and Blue Meanie, with interference by Rich using the flagpole. It has to be said, the crowd did go nuts for the former BWO members. 
We also get potted highlights of Al Snow beating Chris Candido with a snowplow. What aired did look like a really good match, but there wasn't really enough there to justify doing match coverage. Our first full match of the evening shows Just Incredible, who's with Jason and Chastity, going against Mikey Whitbrack. Mikey opens up with some kicks to the nuts and then posts him. Then they work over Justin's leg early with some chair shots and some kicks. He hits a whippersnapper from the top rope and then they manage to roll outside and brawl. There's a leg sweep into the railings by Justin. Justin then blocks a second whippersnapper and comes up with a power slam. Justin hits some punches, some face smashes and a chair shot for a two. At this point, Jason grabs the mics and berates the crowd. Justin hits a tiger bomb for a two. And then Mikey gets lobbed into a wedge chair and then puts on a sleeper. Mikey manages to use the chair to break out of it. Justin then hits a stiff lariat. They go up top when Mikey powers out and hits a Franken Mikey. Follows that with a neck breaker for a two count. Then a top rope whippersnapper onto Jason. But he pulls out the ref. And then they beat him down. Out comes Ben Ref Jones as Jason gets to hit with another whippersnapper and then one to Jones. Chastity grabs the balls. That is until Justin hits. That's incredible to get the win. As they're beating down Mikey at the end, Tommy comes out to make the save. Our next match is the ECW TV title match between RVD and Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam coming in with the strong power moves and overpowers RVD to start. RVD hits a spinning heel kick, but gets blocked with the follow-up Hurricane Rana, which turns into a powerbomb. At this point, Fonzie is running his mouth about how Sabu's going to win the title at the pay-per-view. Bam Bam hits some headbutts, and RVD goes for a top rope crossbody and a sidekick. Hits Rolling Thunder. RVD flies to the outside, but Bam Bam takes advantage by posting him. RVD hits a sidekick from the railings, and more kicks until he gets posted again. RVD is then lobbed into the crowd, and they brawl in the people. RVD hits a Hurricane Rana off the railings into the crowd, then goes up top and jumps from the ring into the crowd with a splash. Not once, but he does it twice, the second time doing a rolling cannonball. Back into the ring area, he hits a guillotine leg drop on Bam Bam and a clothesline. Bam Bam then hits a powerbomb onto the table, which doesn't break. He then goes onto the apron to hit an elbow drop through the table. RVD lobs a chair, which seems to have broken the already damaged eye of Bam Bam up more. Bam Bam then hits a chair and hits a back suplex to the apron. Bam Bam with a powerbomb, but misses the moonsault. RVD hits a frog splash for a two. Bam Bam follows up with a small drop for a two and a brain buster for a second two. Fonzie passes the chair to RVD. They splash into each other in the corner, with Bam Bam going for greetings for Asbury Park. RVD kicks the ref accidentally, which brings out Sabu, who hits Air Sabu. Spike, he then jams the spike into Bam Bam's eye. RVD hits the Van Daminator for the win. 
we then get the traditional ECW TV montage of Shane Douglas fretting over the fact that Bam Bam lost his title and then went off on a tirade on head. He then said the triple threat will make it through all the conspiracies that are going on. Axel Rotten calls out Chris Candido. And then we get RVD, Van Alfonso and Sabu all gloating about their win. At this point, Paul Heyman tells them that now Sabu will face RVD at the pay-per-view. Okay, we can deal with this. We can freaking deal with this. Conspiracy from day one, you know it. Yeah. You strap it out across around this man's neck. He can't even remove it without losing his job. Rob Van Dam on an appropriate damn name. You've robbed him of his title. It's everybody's against the triple threat. Parasapalooza. Parasapalooza. I'm certain of this. Parasapalooza. The biggest chess game of all. We will not give anyone a chance to say checkmate. Holding him back. Robbed him. And you've backed me into a corner with a damn gimmick called the head. Calm down, please. Don't start. So help me God, you've got to come up with something better. It's conspiracy. Oh, no conspiracy. The triple threat will not lay down. We will not give up. We will prove once and for all. Damn it, we will prove. We are the triple threat. We will come through this conspiracy in spite of you. Come on down, Taz, and guess what? We will even give Bam Bam Bigelow a rematch at WrestleMania 98. What? He blew it. He blew it. You don't get it. The, the shot belongs to Sabu. Right. Sabu gets a better one night. Bam Bam, the better the next night. Anybody. Damn it, you're not listening to what I'm telling you. Sabu gets the shot at the World TV Champion. Congratulations, champ. So, we will pause in the proceedings there, obviously to discuss the first week's TV, which not really much happened there but a monumental second show of the month. So what did you think of the first week's TV? Well, the first week certainly just felt like a hype show to me, uh, more so to promote the upcoming Buffalo show, which would be in reference to next week's show. Um, I do like Spike Dudley in his role as the underdog. He's very easy to get behind uh, and to support him. And it, he's really grown into that role over the last year or so that he's really been in it. 
Mm. Um, but but at least for me, maybe some people don't agree with it. But um, mostly the first episode was just pretty average to me. Um, and just kind of setting the stage for their future matches, hyping up throughout the month. Yeah, it is just standard sort of ECW TV fair because obviously the the standard format is they've either just done a taping at the arena or on tour and then they cut that up and make a couple of weeks weeks worth of TV out of it or you get a week like that where it's reruns and hype packages for feuds that are going on with little snippets of matches. So we'll get on to the second week. Um, Obviously, we'll have a big discussion about the awesomeness that was Bam Bam RBD. Um, But before that, obviously, we had... The highlights of uh, the former BWO Menian Nova with FBI um, comedy fair there. I reckon, you know, if that's going to be something that opens up pay-per-views as we've discussed on here before, um, you know, that sort of fun, silly match is always a good open point for a pay-per-view. Um, and obviously we got a little bit more of Al Snow and Candido, which again, for me, perfect sort of placement of two people that should go together and you'll get good quality matches from any takes from that well the fbi blue meanie nova stuff that stuff i guess doesn't really hold my interest all that much don't get me wrong i'm I'm a big guido fan and i've loved tracy smothers dating back to his smoky mountain wrestling days as well but the comedy aspect of it just never really grabs me all that much. And then what you mentioned with Al Snow and Chris Candido, I think Snow has really kind of is is really going up the card to to being a main event guy, and they're kind of pushing that forward. And when you were mentioning that they were showing clips of the match, and it would likely be a great match, I would I would love to see an Al Snow Chris Candido match, whether it be on television or on a future pay per view. I think those guys would really click very well and, and probably produce a, a memorable a memorable match see it's one of those of going forward obviously with the news of uh, shane's injury um it would make simple sense to have if snow is to win the title as you'd imagine if he's you know gonna go over with the injury um have him work through the rest of the triple threat which means you could quite easily do a few of these matches and put them on TV and pay-per-views. And, you know, it's the one thing we've always said with ECW. um, There's always going to be the wrestling side of it. These two would definitely be the wrestling match on those shows. No, I I absolutely agree. I think the, the, the whole head character or gimmick, as you would say for Al Snow has gotten a lot of momentum and it, kind of would seem foolish to not maybe put the title on Al Snow, whether it be a short-term deal or a significant amount of time. I think there does warrant a potential title run for Al Snow with this new character. But, I mean, to go through the, the triple threats, you have Candido probably a couple of times, and then you can insert Bigelow in there as well. I mean, to me, that just kind of screams ratings or, or money, whichever one you would want to consider it to be. Mm. And then obviously the, the the ultimate payoff is then Shane, you know, getting his win back when he returns to fitness. Right. 
Um, so, just incredible. He's one of these guys that, when he first turned up, I was massively enamored. I really, really liked the character. I liked the snottiness of him. Is it me? Because I don't know if you've watched much over the last couple of months, but is it getting a little bit stale? You know, that's that's a fair question. I would agree with you when he when he first came in and his matches with uh, Great Sasuke and stuff like that. That it was, it, it oddly kind of felt fresh for the guy. You know, being the prior known as Aldo Montoya really didn't accomplish all that much, but he definitely has the overly cocky, maybe borderline whiny, annoying character down very well for himself. Uh, the partnership with like Jason Knight and stuff like that maybe doesn't really hold my interest all that much in his catchphrase is quite annoying, but in the ring, I feel like he kind of maintains my interest. You know, he's proving him proving his worth in ECW and is really capitalizing on the opportunities he's given in his match here with Mikey Whipwreck though. It seems like the type of guy that credible should be able to soundly defeat um, you know, dating back a couple months ago with his feud with Tommy Dreamer and the mention of his grandfather, which gave him a lot of heat and maybe even consider a turning point for his career in ECW in terms of going up the card. I think having problems with Whipwreck in the sense of he needs help or a cheap way of doing it, sure, it gives him heel heat, but then it also kind of, no pun intended, loses credibility for him. Because mm. obviously... Originally, he came in, obviously took out Mikey, got him the sort of, you've, you've hurt one of our favorites. Yeah. Damn you. But we've seen him have, I think it's three matches with Mikey that have been either TV or on pay-per-view. Um, obviously, the whole thing with Tommy that was last month that got played out at the last pay-per-view. I, I was hoping that we were moving him away from this and getting something new for Justin. And it just sort of seems to be just more of the same. And I'm like, eh, we've seen it. And the, the good guys uh, are getting their, their wins back or, you know, which is sort of losing a bit of the momentum on Justin. No, I, I, I agree. I, I agree completely. Because, I mean, the, the Mikey stuff he's mentioned dates back to last year. That might be a, a situation where they're lacking depth on the face side for credible to work with. Mm. You know, like a, like a credible main, like a credible mid card face guy to continue his momentum instead of just going right back to Mikey. Cause it seems like everybody else that's really notable or worth their time. They're kind of preoccupied. These well, two guys that don't really have much going on. It seems as if mm. it's one of those, you could quite easily say, you know, obviously Scorpio's kicking about, I don't know but what his deal is with the fed and ECW. But he seems to be about quite a bit. Um, you could put him in just basically squashing like a Nova or a Meanie or someone like that. You know, there there are options where you can keep the character strong. You know, he hasn't got to be going against super credible people. You know, just have him in there destroying lower talents. Some of the newbies, you know, like a, a, a Chetty or, or Doring or, you know, someone like that just, go through them with ease could work for him. It's just, it's just sort of like, Oh, we've just gone back to what we have been doing. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And the, with Doring and Chetty, I would say more so Chetty, that you could potentially get really good television matches out of that if they were to go eight to ten minutes on a on a future episode. I mean, Chetty's more than capable when he's not flabbergasted or confused on what to do, but he, he's usually pretty solid in the ring. I think the idea that you mentioned there, though, with Scorpio, let's say if Credible were to have a match with Scorpio instead of Whipwreck here and, and future build for, for Russell Palooza, maybe having Credible go over on a guy like Scorpio would just be really big because Scorpio does have the past success, uh, success in ECW being a former television champion, tag team champion. But instead of just going right back to what they're used to and what they can rely on, and then uh, I don't really know about the whole Nova Meanie thing. I don't know if that would necessarily help them. That might be better off if it was just a filler week and they didn't really have much for him to do. It's just one of those of uh, you know I wouldn't do like a long term thing, but you could do, use him on TV in a two three minute squash match. Yeah, yeah. You know, it keeps him on the program, keeps him in people's minds, but it's not sort of burning through either a feud or something that could be done that has a bit more gravitas to it. So we will now go on to what I think is probably one of the best matches this year. RVD and Bam Bam Bigelow. And it is a shock to say that, as was mentioned uh, when we did the pay-per-view review um, last month, Bam Bam has been in three of or two of the three best matches of the pay-per-views output of ECW. And so far is, is been in two of the best matches of this year for ECW. I, I am right there with you and it's kind of baffling to me that we're saying about, we're saying that about him now, Um, you know, judging by how his career ended in the WWF in, in late 95 and whatnot. This match right here with RVD, to me, proved that Bigelow still has what it takes. Obviously, his match with with Taz and even in, in late 97 with Douglas kind of also proved that. But RVD works like a different style that I think maybe Bigelow hasn't really dealt with before in the style of ECW. Kind of takes a, It took me, I know, a, a little while to get adjusted to seeing Bigelow in that type of environment. But this match, I felt he played his role extremely well and really helped elevate Rob Van Dam in my eyes as to what maybe he can be for ECW in the future. So is RBD the future of wrestling in 1998? Because to me, I would not be surprised come next year to see him in the Fed or in WCW on a fairly decent chunk of change and having one of the mid title the mid mid tier titles like one of the workhorse belts like the IC belt or a US title and basically being the match of the night guy sure and I think if let's say if he were to go to WCW okay and he's having matches with an Eddie Guerrero or a Chris Benoit or a Booker T a, you know Scott Steiner or whoever for a mid card title there. I mean that's you're just shaping up for incredible matches. A guy like even Fit Finley, I think those styles would mm. really work out very well. Um, and then you look at the WWF. Uh, 
you know, his athletic ability there, if you have a Ken Shamrock in him, uh, you know, a rock or something like that, just promo work maybe potentially with those guys as well. Him and, and Owen would be the one to me. Yeah, Owen Hart, sure. You know, you could even do – I mean, I, there's always been mis, uh, you know, different differing <laughs> opinions on a guy like Jeff Jarrett, but who knows what Jeff Jarrett could get out of a guy. You know, the thing with Rob Van Dam is his ability to sell for his opponents really – when he wants to sell at least is really kind of what helps his matches. But wait, I mean, that's, that's a great point. The possibilities of people that he could fight in both promotions. Me personally, I might be leaning more towards seeing him in WCW just for the in-ring ability, not necessarily what they would come up with story-wise for him. But it's, it's definitely one of those of, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he has, he sees out the year and ends up at one of the bigger ones. Because um, unless there's something that holds him back or, you know, his attitude, I would sign him up straight away because is there anyone in that sort of mid to lower tier, you know, the under headliners guys that is that good and is keeps getting better week in, week out? Yeah, and, I, and he's incredibly captivating because he's doing things that you're not going to see every Monday or or on Thunder or anything like that. So his unique ability there is going to be a draw. And either WCW or WWF would be kind of foolish not to kind of maybe give what he wants to get them on to get him on their television. And as you said, with obviously Thunder starting recently. I would imagine WCW need more bodies to fill that more TV time. Oh, absolutely. So going in to week freeze TV, we open up with Joel Gertner in the middle of the ring, introducing the latest additions to the Dudley family, cousin Luke and cousin Butch, the Bushwhackers. They come out in full Dudley tie dye shirts glasses but bushwhacker camo pants so we have a match between sandman and tommy dreamer versus the bushwhacker dudleys but before the match could even begin big dick devon and bubba ray all attack sandman and tommy dreamer hitting 3ds on the pair and chair and cane shots two cold came out to try and make the save but the dudleys flatten him too and give him a free D. After the commercial break, they're shown the Sandman being tended to in the ring, lying flat on his back. Obviously, this is where the injury happened with the free D. We then get some fan cam footage of Sam Fatu versus Sabu. Fatu will be known by most as the former Tonga kid, um, but he is uh, looking more like Yokozuna than his head shrinker days. We see quick highlights showing Sabu winning the match while RBD, dressed as Sabu, kicks Fatu for him to be covered. The ref, who was distracted, made the count, thinking it was Sabu, but obviously it was actually RBD. You then get some pushing and shoving at the end of the match. After the next commercial break, they are shown the ambulance backstage. This is the point Joey says that it's his job 
to meant to be hyping the pay-per-view. But with the Sandman situations taking precedence, they then show uh, pictures of Laurie Follington crying backstage. Styles talks about why Sandman is an extreme icon. Uh, he says that he's obviously saying about the injuries that Sandman has had during his career, but this looks the worst that he's ever seen. We then get a match between Lance and Chris Candido going against Balls and Axel. The match begins with Storm denting a chair over Balls' head with multiple chair shots. Storm then hits Candido with a chair and goes to walk away. But obviously, due to contract jury obligations with the tag titles, if they were to lose the belt because of that, Lance would get fired. As Axel goes to make the cover, he runs back to make the save. A minute or so later, Candino and Storm are at it again. Axel rams both their heads together, and then Axel takes a chair shot, and then Balls gets one, but is taken to the backstage. Back into the ring, Axel holds his own for a little while against both. That is, until Candido hits a diving headbutt. Storm then flattens Axel with a top rope elbow, but Candido rolls in in his usual way to grab the pin and do the egotistical thing. Following the match, Candido hits Storm with a tag belt. At this point, Danny Doring and Roadkill come out, mouthing off. Nails hits them both with a chair. Meanwhile, Candido then challenges Storm to a singles match right there and then. So Chris comes back into the ring and they brawl very quickly to the outside. Chris hits some stomps and some chops. Lance then hits some chops of his own and a swinging heel kick for a two count. Chris hits a swinging neck breaker and gets a two and a beautiful stalling suplex for a two. We then get a chop battle. Lance clotheslines Chris in the corner and then hits a diving drop kick and a springboard clothesline for a two. Chris hits a powerbomb for the two. Then he goes to the top, but Lance catches him as he dives in and hits a powerbomb of his own for the win. We're then shown Sandman being put in the ambulance. The triple threat are seen attacking Cronus before his match against Chris Chetty. Douglas said that Chetty was there because of preferential treatment because he's Taz's cousin. This brings out Taz, who, strangely enough, attacks Chetty and says that he doesn't care about anybody, not even family. Douglas says he won't get a title shot and tells Heyman to keep his nose out of it, as you can hear Paul Heyman over the house mics. He then offers Taz his arm to break it, but says if he does, Candido and Bigelow will beat the shit out of it. He also called Taz a pussy. This was the point where Taz finally attacks the arms. Candido and Bigelow stomp on him to get the break. Was there anything on this show that caught your imagination? I mean, it's mostly just continued promotion here. I mean, I don't like the Bushwhackers even being in ECW just because I'm always aware of what they did in the WWF and I hated them there. So any involvement 
anywhere else. I'm just not going to enjoy them. The the way that they handled the Sandman injury and the angle with the stretcher and whatnot certainly gives their feud or his feud and, and Dreamer's feud with the Deli Boys that emotional investment that I think ECW has done very well over the years with getting and maybe has added a level of interest from myself that I never really even thought about having uh, without something like this. I mean, because they're pretty good with just having hardcore matches and things of that nature, but having a legitimate story attached to it is pretty, pretty refreshing. Um, You know, balls, Mahoney and Axel rotten kind of being inserted as the number one contenders of sorts to, the tag team champions doesn't really interest me all that much, mainly because I'm not a big Axel Rotten fan. I mean, I can do, I can, I can deal with Balls Mahoney in a singles capacity, but you know that doesn't really do all that much for me. And then, really, the last two things here, I guess, is the Candido Storm, you know, feud. It seems as if in every major company, on some at some point, uh, either tag team champions or, or best friends are feuding within the last eight months. So that kind of is a pointless feud to me. It doesn't necessarily excite me all that much just because it's happened so much, even dating back to when, you know, Michaels and Austin were doing it, you know, last year in the WWF and, and more recently with, you know, the new world order and stuff like that in, in WCW. And then the final segment here with uh, Taz and Douglas, I thought it was really nicely done. Uh, you know, Taz just not caring that if he were to snap Douglas's arm, he's going to get beat up. You know, he hates the guy that much that he'll take the ass kicking following what he does to him. Just makes him look like a badass to me and kind of, kind of sold me on, on Taz as a legitimate badass. Mm, And it also helps when they go to explain why Shane will be out of action post pay-per-view as well because they can show that footage of Taz breaking his arm. And it it gives Taz a mystique about him as someone that will really fucking hurt you. Right. And it also gives you a callback that when Shane's back, if they want to do it again, they can put these two together and they've got that, that instant reason for it happening and... The one thing ECW are really good at is reminding you of history. You know, it's one of those things you do see quite a bit. They'll go, oh, look at this footage back from 95 when these two were friends. Now they hate each other. Was there, you know, a thing boiling away even back then? So they are very clever with their use of footage for expanding their own stories. So something like this may seem, you know, oh, it's just a little bit on TV. I can see them using it and bringing that back, say, six months, nine months, a year down the road, and it will all make sense, and the bigger picture of it will be like, how did they think of using it all, but it will work. Yeah, and and, the, and with what you're mentioning there, but they don't. the thing that I, I guess I appreciate about ECW is they don't forget about their past. You know, they just embrace it and, they, and they're able to let to add numerous different layers to it and it is it, it's a great idea to remind fans of oh hey this happened two years ago or oh hey this happened six months ago because oftentimes wrestling fans will forget 
And and sometimes if you're if you're reminded of what happened, then that investment in the feud can can grow. So we go into the last week's TV for the month. And I'm going to have to play this Joel Gertner start because I, I can't do it justice. Well, 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 it is I, your host, your hero, your sexual dynamo, and the object of your affection, the quintessential stud muffin, Joel, I'm straight, you're not, Gertner. And my, what a long, strange trip it's been. But it was only three years ago, Heatwave 95, where the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, did battle in a cage with the former WCW United States heavyweight champion of the, well, United States, Raven. And Tommy Dreamer in that match inflicted upon Raven what was called the chair shot heard round the world. Well, the Karma Police have been in full force as of late, and the Edict of Execution was handed down by the Honorable Big Dick Dudley. Those execution rites were then performed by Sergeant Bubba Ray Dudley and Lieutenant Devon Dudley in the shot heard all-round Fidel's country of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where the Dudleys took out Tommy Dreamer and his friend, the hardcore icon, the Sandman. Interesting side note, last week you were also treated to the melodious tones of the crying, the whining, and the bellyaching of the Sandman's wife, Lori Fullington, his wife, in theory, if not in practice. <laughs> well, Lori Fullington must have commanded quite a fee for the licensing of her likeness on last week's program. She was somehow able to afford a babysitter willing enough to watch over her ugly, illegitimate, mentally retarded children. At Wrestlepalooza 98, we've already, with Too Cold Scorpio, brought in the noise, and taken out the funk. Now, the Dudley boys plan on doing to the Sandman what he would like to have done least, if he's even capable of getting in the ring. We're going to turn Cobb County into a dry county and a no-smoking zone. And as for Tommy, quote the dreamer, nevermore. So we'll, we'll say for what's said there. So he opens the show saying, Is I your hero, your sexual dynamo, the object of your reflections, the quintessential sud muffin? Joel, I'm straight, you're not Gertner. He recaps the Dreamer and Raven feud from 95. Again, obviously, you know, as we were just saying, the great use of stuff from old times, showing Dreamer taking the chair shot from Raven. Then they show the Dudleys doing similar shots to Dreamer and Sandman last week. He then mocks the Sandman wife's Laurie for crying backstage, saying Laurie was somehow able to afford a babysitter while enough to watch her ugly, illegitimate, mentally retarded children. This guy is amazing. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, Joel Gurner, he's, he's quite an incredible promo guy. 
we then have Joey telling us about the uh, Douglas issue from last week. Obviously saying that he miscalculated his stunt of offering his arm to Taz, which has re-injured the elbow and said that Douglas would be at the pay-per-view despite niggling injuries. They also run down the full card for the show. We then see Styles in the middle of the ring before talking about Raspalooza. Taz enters. Shut it! Why don't you tell the truth? Don't come out here, bullshit these people, and tell them you're going to shoot. Tell them where Shane Douglas is. Tell them why Shane Douglas is sitting in Pittsburgh. Because I f***ed up his elbow. Because he f***ed with me. I got soft. I've been way, way too nice lately. You know something? In Florida, last week, Shane Douglas said something to me. It wasn't that he insulted me. It wasn't that he insulted my family. But he had a nerve with me. He told the truth. Shane Douglas said, Hey, Taz, you ain't getting a shot at the world belt. Because you lost the Bigelow. And you know what? He's right. I did lose the Bigelow. Because on that night, Bam Bam was the better man. But, but, hold the mic. Put it by my mouth. Shane Douglas said, I didn't deserve a title shot. Shut up, shut up! Listen, Shane Douglas said it, and he's right! Shane Douglas fears me, because I am the uncrowned world heavyweight champion! Put, put, your, put your right elbow. What? Hey, Heyman! Did you say you're gonna shut my mic off? Is that what you said? Shutting my mic off, brother. You know why? Because I'm just going to be another guy, what? That leaves you and goes to Atlanta? Or leaves you and go to Vince? Hey, wait a minute. Before you people get all excited, I'm going to get on you too. Hey, Paulie. Don't you shut this mic off and don't stand there like a badass. See, these people think they're witnessing like a McMahon-Austin angle. And this is a shoot, brother. You know it. I've been too nice. I got soft since I'm nine years old. I've been disciplined, dedicated. I had the best coaches, the best senseis, the best opponents, the best teammates. And what did it get me? Second place. It got me second place. I am not a second place. Hold the mic. Get over here. The fact of the matter is, 
No more Mr. Nice Guy. Nice Guy. You think I'm funny, Joey? No, I don't, I don't think you're funny, but, but I've known you since before ACW, and forgive me, but you've never been a nice guy. Oh, so all of a sudden you know me now. No, I, I didn't mean anything by it. I, I just, I, you know, we, we go back a long way, you and me. We, I mean, we were... So you're putting your hands up. So that must be you want to fight me, huh? No, 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 I don't want to fight you. No, 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 no. No, Trez, I, I don't want to... I didn't mean anything by it. You want to fight me? You want to disrespect me? Is that what you want to do? Oh, maybe these people can chant the Oh, we want back. Oh, we want Malenko back. I want those back. I didn't leave. I stood here. I stood here and put up with the And you're going to disrespect me? The next time you decide to disrespect me, I will slap taste directly out of your mouth. What's with you, Taz? Joey, I'm gonna spare you, brother, okay? Shut the up, I'm leaving a ring. Don't say nothing, I won't touch you. And tells the fans the truth that Shane Douglas wasn't even there. He then goes on a wonderful tirade, which you've just heard, saying that he fucked up his elbow because he fucked with me. Taz said he's even got a soft reaction recently but no longer you then hear Heyman coming from the house mic Taz thought that Heyman was trying to turn off his mic Taz then looked towards the back and cut a promo on Heyman Taz said that he was doing wasn't like an angle or a shoot like Austin and McMahon he told the fans that he hates them and then also got back into it with Joey he then shoved him as walks out. We then get some highlights from the ECW Arena show that was recently happening with the re-entrances for the Meanie and Nova and the FBI. Basically, some good comedy spots where Rich insisted that Smothers and Meanie to have a dance contest before the match. The crowd cheered the Meanie, booed Smothers. Rich threatened to beat them both up until they booed the Meanie. The FBI jumped Meanie before the match. We see New Jack pinning Dross. Just incredible talking about his past in wrestling and said that his best friend Scott Hall told him, when you're just incredible, you're just incredible for life. We get a piece of Taz beating up referee Pee Wee Moore. We then get highlights from last week's Bam Bam and RVD match. We then see Bam Bam throwing Alfonso from the ring into the crowd. And the Dudleys cornering Bueller when the lights came out and came back on. We see Sandman in a neck brace standing in the ring. 
the Dudleys fled, and Sandman promised to give the Dudleys their receipt at the pay-per-view. We then get a match between Axel Rotten and Chris Candido. Before the match, Francine demands the crowd show her respect. By respect, the crowd just show, show your tits. ECW fans, they're a classy bunch. <laughs> the match opens with Chris hitting a hip toss and an arm drag and a hurricane runner, but Axel manages to hit some big punches and backdrops him over the ropes to the outside. They brawl outside, hit a chair shot, but Francine helps by eye-raking so Chris can take over. Francine then hits a knee shot so Chris can hit a tope. They then brawl outside again, and back into the ring, Chris hits a storming suplex, followed by a hell of a lot of chops. Axel manages to hit a back elbow and a corner splash, and the bionic elbow, a la Dusty, and a second rope clothesline that gets a two. He then goes for the SST, that is, until Francine comes in. She lobs a chair to Chris, but misses. Axel hits the SST for the win. After the match, Candido hit Axel with a chair, and Balls came in to make the save. That was until Bam Bam comes out and hits greetings from Asbury Park. We then get a match between Al Snow and Sabu. We do join this as the match is already in flow. First thing we see is Sabu setting up a table. Would we expect anything different? We see Al Snow reversing a victory roll and hitting a DDT. Sabu then hits a hop top rope Hurricane Rana through the table, which brings out RVD. Sabu gets a two count, hits a leg drop, a drop kick, and air Sabu, and an Arabian press for a two count. Lobs the chair and then hits the triple moonsault. During this, though, Sabu didn't really sort of get the full momentum on it because he had hit the chair as he was coming back. He is pissing blood and hits a DDT. He then goes for another triple jump, but he slips, which means that Al Snow can take advantage. They go to the outside where Al hits an Asai moonsault into the crowd. Then back into the ring, he hits a sit-out powerbomb. Hits some chair shots. Al then goes off the top rope, but is lobbed with a chair into the face. Another chair shot is followed by the Arabian face buster. A table's brought into the ring and more chair shots. Al meets Sabu up top. At this point, RVD comes back out. Fonzi stops Al from hitting a snowplow through the table. But then it goes through anyway as RVD throws in the towel. The ref at this point is looking very confused and calls for the bell. The fans fill the ring with heads as Sabu and RVD yell at each other. To finish the month, Styles announced that Douglas will need elbow surgery post-pay-per-view, so either Snow will win the title or ECW will have a champion unable to defend his title for several months. He once again runs down the whole pay-per-view card.
So, thoughts on the last week's TV and anything that you want to bring to the table sort of for the whole month or going into the pay-per-view? Well, as I said before, with uh, in regard to Rotten and, and Mahoney and the number one contendership, I guess it just blows my mind that they would have him go over uh, Candido, even if it was because the heels, you know, kind of mess up their cheating tactics or what have you. But uh, the opening segment there with Taz really is really just making me more and more of a fan of Taz and his new attitude and things of that nature. And then the main event with uh, Snow and Sabu kind of, you know, sure it was joined in progress, but, you know, it kind of gives you a tease of maybe what they could do, uh, you know, given a, a, a full match and not anything clipped or anything along those lines. But heading into the pay-per-view, I, I would have to imagine that Al Snow would be the next champion. I, I've never been the type of guy that would want my champion not to defend the title for several months. Sure, Shane Douglas is by far the best heel that ECW has, uh, you know, going on at this at this point in time. But you know, having him not being able to compete for six to nine months, and you're just having your world title just on the shelf, uh, I would imagine would hurt television, would hurt business. Because that's the ultimate prize that you're going for. You say uh, that, but not in ECW. We've seen how they treat their title. It's right. Not normally, you know, the biggest thing or sure, the most I, important feud. Right. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, as me as a fan, I mean, sometimes there's a disconnect with myself in, in ECW. But, mm. you know, I think Shane, Shane pr- probably should lose the title. You know, even if even if he has a setup feud for, with Taz you know, when he comes back in several months or a year or whatever it will be. But you can always get the title back on Douglas prior to that anyway. But I think Snow and his, and his head gimmick kind of warrants maybe a, a couple of months reign as champion because it's certainly over the fans, and I think Snow is a more than capable wrestler in the ring to, to carry that role. And as we've mentioned earlier, I mean, he has matches set up with guys like Candido, Bigelow, and, and the like of that, I mean, you could adjust incredible on the way up, you know, I mean, there's definitely many different directions that they could go with. If, if snow was a champion, instead of having just the champion on the sideline. No, it's true. Um, as, as I said, obviously we've seen what ECW can do with their title and it baffles me at times, but with, as you say, with how over and how, big the reactions are to Al Snow it would make sense even if it is for a couple of months you know pop pop put the belt on him give him a couple of you know matches against him as you say work through the triple threat adjusting I don't know a Taz or a Sabu you know you could put him in against pretty much anyone you're going to get a good match and because he's the champion you don't need a storyline reason for him to have that match with them, which can help the others if they've not got feuds or things they want to be, they need them to do, chuck them in with with Al Snow, you know you're going to get a good match because going back a few years, there's that classic Al Snow and Chris Benoit match, which won match of the year. Which, out of nowhere, we're like, who's this Al Snow guy? Oh my, this match is amazing. 
So we've got a proven track record of being able to put on amazing matches. I'd I'd chuck him in with anyone and give him the belt for a couple of months. And with how over he is and how much reaction he gets, it may even put a bit more stock in the title. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would have to think so. And I feel like one of the knocks against Snow prior to this is that for whatever reason, maybe he hasn't shown personality. And this is dating back to when he was with the Rockers and stuff like that, and he was saddled with, you know, a, a poor gimmick or what have you. But, you know, as I mentioned before, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, he displayed his personality there as a great heel. And now he has a, a character, you know, arguably an insane character, but it's it's a a good face character and it's, it's certainly working and he has the in-ring stuff to kind of give him the full, the full package that you would ideally want out of your heavyweight champion. Hmm. And obviously looking forward at the pay-per-view, obviously normally I would have said Al Snow and Shane would be a really, really good match, but obviously with all the injuries and nagging things going on, that, that may not be as good as it could have been. But the one match I am looking forward to see is going to be RVD and Sabu. Really? Yeah, I feel these two going at each other, especially with this little niggly thing they've been doing the last couple of weeks. I think we that will be your ex, your extreme match where we will get tables, chairs, and all the wonderfulness that we expect from ECW. But these two have a track record of trying to up each other on who can do the most crazy shit. And the fact it's for a belt, I think we could get some grade A crazy. No, I, I, I in that regard, I, I would say you're right. Uh, it just seems as if there's just, for me, there's been a lot of RVD Sabu matches in the last couple of years. And now, I mean, they've, you know, as a tag team, they work fairly well together. But you're certainly right that there's potential there for it to get pretty nuts, and the violence might might be a bit much, even for ECW standards, with those guys going at it. So, was there anything else that you wanted for this month, for sort of uh, the pay per view going forward? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covers it for right now. Well. I will take this opportunity to say thank you very much, Bob, for joining us for your first foray into the land of extreme on wrestling 20 years ago. Um, at this point of the show, we'd like you to pimp your wares and anything that you want to promote, share, get people into. Yeah, I got uh, two things, essentially. I got the first one is wrestlingrecaps.com. That's where my wrestling reviews written reviews and stuff of that nature for many, many years have been located at wrestlingrecaps.com. And then I have a fairly new podcast with a good friend of mine, Austin Skinner called Icopod, which is available on iTunes and at icopod.podbean.com where we started with the first raw in 93 and have watched them and discussed them. And uh, it's been a lot of fun with that as well. Uh, the back when raw was only an hour. Well, yeah. And a much easier time to watch it. A simpler time. Yeah, it's a breeze. It's a breeze to watch, you know, 45 minutes of, of wrestling. So, obviously, for me, you can hear my musings on WCW at 
Super Brawls. Um, we are still on a little bit of hiatus because of stuff that's been going on, so I just haven't had a chance to do anything. Plus, Tom was at Mania this year, so he we just haven't had a chance. But when we do, we will be finishing off 1993 with Starcade. And obviously, do you like music? Do you have ears? Do you want to have new music in those ears? Listen to show and tell with tunes. Um, pretty much still bang out one a week. Um, over WrestleMania weekend, I did a full three-part five-hour Kid Rock special, um, basically going through all parts of Kid Rock from the rap, the metal, the country, the collaborations that he does, the cover versions. If you've ever had any slight interest in Kid Rock or uh, even want to know a little bit, Everything is covered on that. Um, and obviously, there's the usual run of the mill episodes too. Um, guest hosts have included from this very parish, Rory and Eric. So if you want to hear what they like musically, you can find out there too. Obviously, you can get them both on iTunes at just search Super Brawls and Show and Tell Tunes. And on the Twitter, you can find them both at Super Brawls and at S Tell and Tunes. Um, so the website is still up and running. So if you want to read stuff that we put out, you go to wrestling20yearsago.com. And as I said earlier, we still going to be getting episodes out early for patron subscribers. Um, this one, hopefully, as long as I get it edited on Tuesday and get it all done, will be out nice and early as well. Um, obviously, if you do want to give us a bit of cash, we would muchly be grateful because, as I said, we uh, use it for the hosting and we'll use it for keeping the observer subscription, talk subscription, so we can get all the news documents, so we can get everything ready. Obviously, that is at patreon.com forward slash wrestling20yrs. So, just as a quick recap, we have volume one is WCW covering Spring Stampede, and volume two is WWF follow, covering Unforgiven. This has been Wrestling 20 Years Ago, Volume 3, ECW. And until next month, and Wrestlepalooza, goodbye.